Yes, this is the place to be for franchisors and those wishing to franchise their business. It's great to be with you again. And in this particular show entitled, How to Save $214,200 in Fines. Dramatic, isn't it? You'll understand why when we get talking to my guest today. David McLean is a veteran in the training area. And we're going to kind of share with him or he'll share with us some of his expertise to alert all of us the areas we are almost inevitably, I believe, uh, infringing legislation with regards to this. It's a very delicate area. So David is the founder of Mentor for Hire. Um, he's like a lot of us. He's had larger organizations. He's He had a business with uh, some 40 trainers and 50 admin, multi-million dollar business in the area of training. His background was vast, but he's, 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 he's I suppose, reduces business down to a more specialised and more an area where he's really passionate, um, looking into smaller businesses and franchising and specifically why I've invited him here today. And in his background, it's quite uh, quite extensive, uh, training in the area in the military, Department of Aviation, and then also he's been involved in retailing and mining, had a number of businesses himself. So he's underst- he understands business and franchising across the board. Um, effectively, what he's done is developed some really fantastic cost-effective training solutions, uh, all aimed really at adding more to your bottom line. He's assisted over 50,000 participants develop skills um, and uh, receive either an understanding or an accreditation. Um, one of those included a bottom line results program he did for the Department of State Development in Queensland and um, helped over 400 retailers across the state to improve their performance. Um, in his role as uh, lead consultant for Mentor for Hire, um, he's working closely with Franchise Simply and a number of our members and involved in our, our program. So, David, welcome to you today. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. Thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> so, a, a stunning headline. As a business owner, how do I save $214,000 to $200 in fines? Well, it's a very good question, Brian, and, and the key area here is what we call risk management. And uh, most businesses or business owners or franchisors will have heard of the term, um, and what I'd like to focus on today is the two key areas that I see the greatest impact in business. There are many others, but um, these two key areas I think are very important. The first one is uh, human resources, HR, and the other one is one that we're all pretty aware of, and that's workplace health and safety. Uh, this particular case, the $214,000 worth of fines related to a case that we're very aware of in the franchising industry at the moment. Um, it was a uh, 7-Eleven franchisee in Sydney, um, didn't pay his people correctly. Uh, he personally uh, received uh, penalties of $35,700 and his company was fined a further $178,500. Now, for most small businesses that I know, that's the sort of stuff that would uh, would push you uh, under. So it's very important that we become aware of that there's some very big teeth out there uh, and uh, we need to make sure that we've got our back covered. Uh, a typical example is um, in the HR area is um, do our people know that they have to provide a copy of the Fair Work Information Statement uh, to every new employee uh, that signs up in their business? Um, and there are many other smaller things and larger things that can have a big impact. 
Um, I'd like to share a story that I had very early in my business. This was back in the late 80s. And uh, I had a, a young fellow working for me down on the Gold Coast. He was looking after one of our offices down there. Um, and what he'd done is uh, hired out my training uh, room, or the, not the room, but all the facilities, the tables, the chairs, the whiteboards, the videos, all of those sorts of things, uh, to an opposition company um, and received payment for it. Um, he was quite upset when I uh, terminated his employment, as you can imagine. Uh, I was probably a lot more upset. It was so funny. My trainer turned up down at Southport to do the training, and uh, uh, I got a phone call from him, and he said, uh, David, we've got a problem. And I said, oh, what's that? Uh, and he said, the, the training room's empty. And I thought, what's Kevin going on about, you know? I, I said, of course, Kev, the people don't arrive until Monday. This is Friday. No, no. He said, you're misunderstanding me, David. There is no furniture in the room. And uh, anyway, that ended up in an unfair dismissal claim. And I can remember sitting at the compulsory conference and the um, the Supreme Court judge that sits on, on those uh, affairs um, made a very important point to me. He said, David, you can do all the right things, but if you can't prove it, it's worthless. So he really drove home to me the importance of having a systematic approach to HR and workplace health and safety uh, and also uh, being able to keep the record keeping uh, correct so that when you or if you end up in that sort of situation, you have the documentation to prove that you've done the right thing. Wow. All right. That's, that's, uh, you must be shattered. I can appreciate that the levels are vulnerable in different ways. So maybe we might hear a little bit more about the record keeping some other stage and certainly some of you can help us with. But what are, what are some of the other costs involved, you know, in not make, mitigating these risks? You mentioned a few different areas where we have to, uh, we have to be pretty increasingly, uh, careful in how we conduct ourselves with our employees and so on. Oh, for sure, Brian. Um, look, you know, most business owners, franchisees, franchisers have heard about the term uh, risk and risk management. And, of course, the aim of risk management is to mitigate the risk. We're not ever going to remove it, um, but we can mitigate or protect against it. And there's a, there are a number of key strategies that can be put in place to, uh, to help uh, in that process. When we come to the uh, costs associated with uh, not mitigating these risks, um, it, it's quite significant. You know, the the 7-Eleven case is a, a substantial one, but there are further costs. You know, fines are obviously one that we saw in 7-Eleven, but um, the associated legal costs um, that go with it, um, the time that gets used up in trying to uh, put a case together, um, but there are also some costs that are less obvious, things like, um, impact on your business profits um, the uh, ultimately could cause cause the closure of your business um, it could damage your brand and the damage that's done in the 711 example is not just to the franchisee uh, who made the uh, mistake uh, but of course to the entire brand and to the franchisor um, it also flows on to areas like recruiting good people if uh, you have a record of not doing the right thing, then it's very difficult to become an employer of choice. So your opposition are going to attract those key people that perhaps should be in your business and doing a better job for you. Mm. It just goes on and on and on. Food for thought. So without want to be alarmist, David, you, you mentioned HR. Uh, well, what about the other areas? Um, you mentioned you know, work health and safety, for example. Oh, yes. And I'll probably this is uh, an area where... Um, we're more aware of, um, 
However, there are some areas here that we may have overlooked. Um, most states have requirements for appropriate induction programs. Um, you're required to have safe operating systems, uh, provide personal protective equipment to your people that, that uh, it's appropriate for the role that they're performing, uh, and of course then training, the ongoing training. Uh, it's not just good enough to train a person once and say that's okay. You actually need to make sure that you've got a, a program of refreshers in place to keep their skills up. And clearly the onus is on the employer to make sure that those systems and processes are there to keep their team safe. And one example is in Queensland, for, um, all of the staff that you have in your team need to undergo fire safety and evacuation training every year, and that needs to be recorded. And uh, I'm wondering how many of our listeners actually do that. Um, with over 60% of workplace health, and, uh, workplace health and safety injuries related to manual handling, that's obviously a key area. Just simple things like how to lift correctly, make sure that you've got the right tools available if uh, it's too heavy to lift manually, a whole range of things like that. But then the less obvious is armed hold-up. Now, this might surprise our listeners, but on average, the big supermarkets in Queensland alone um, have over seven armed hold-ups a year. Now, it's pretty hard to imagine an, old <laughs> an armed hold-up at the checkout, but it does happen. I was speaking to a manager a couple of years ago, and he told me, yes, already this year they've had seven armed hold-ups. Wow, that's stunning, isn't it? it? It's just amazing. So, so we need to make sure that we have systems and processes in place to deal with all of these areas. Now, workplace health and safety costs can be very expensive. Now, if you don't have the proper systems and processes in place and support for your people, uh, it can cost you a lot of money. You know, you're required under law to have um, work cover insurance or, or similar, uh, and this doesn't cover all the costs, though. Some of the other costs that come up include things like just loss of production or performance, um, loss of skills out of the industry. You know, if your key person um, is suddenly not available because they've been injured, what impact would that have on your business? Um, the uh, inability to get uh, HR resources into your business to build your team a cost of investigations, customer perceptions. Sumo Salad was a really good example. You know, a few years back, they had a health scare. It was just a couple of stores in Sydney. Um, however, I won't go and buy a Sumo Salad because I think, well, you know, food safety was let down in that area. You know, will it happen again? Um, the ability to attract good team members, being employer of choice, I've already talked about. Um, the increase of your insurance premiums is a direct cost. Um, loss of morale, and then you've got the issues of post-traumatic stress and uh, stress leave that you have to deal with. I, one of my dear friends, she had a terrible day. She was involved in an arm hold-up in the morning, driving home from work. She saw a very nasty car accident that turned out to be a fatality, and, and she was off work for quite a period of time just trying to deal with um, those sorts of issues. Well, it goes on and on, doesn't it? So you can see that mitigating it, not necessarily particularly involved, providing you follow a process, but it's the outcomes if you don't do it. So it really is uh, worth having a heads up on that. So how do we go about doing that effectively, David? What's what's a realistic way of mitigating these risks um, you know, in, in a commercial sense? I think that's the important thing to understand. Oh, exactly, Brian. And look, the, the first thing is to identify what the risks are, to know what they are. And 
Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, one of my clients, BOC Gases, um, they have some very strict rules regarding the operation of their vehicles. And, and I'll give you two examples of those to see that they've identified the risk and then developed a solution around that. So they identified, obviously, that vehicles, um, people travelling in vehicles for work, uh, was a risk to the business. And so they brought in two rules that I think are quite clever. The first one is, is that um, if uh, people are travelling for business in a vehicle, no mobile phones are allowed to be turned on in the car. Um, not just the driver, but anyone in the vehicle. And their reasoning behind this was, though, although the driver might not be uh, involved in the conversation, they might be listening to the conversation, it might distract them, and uh, it may cause an accident. So uh, they had a, a solid rule, um, which was effectively immediately di dismissible if you breached it, um, no phones turned on in their vehicles. The second one regarded uh, related to parking, and that was that when you park the car, if it was legally able to, you would always do a reverse uh, end-in park. And the reason for this was is that uh, when you jump into a car to drive off, you may not be situationally uh, aware, so the better visibility of driving forward rather than reversing out of a car park made it safer for the, uh, the vehicle, the occupants, and also the general public around them. It so is. it's two very simple rules, but, but focused at uh, identified risks. So the second stage is that, you know, once you've identified these risks, you need to then look at um, how you can mitigate them. And so you need to build processes into the business that becomes a day-to-day -day activity. And BOC was a really good example of that. You know, everyone got into the car, they knew their phones had to be turned off. It was very simple, very easy. And once you implement these changes, you need to look at them to make sure that they're achieving the outcome that you wanted. Again, BOC was zero harm. That's the reason they had those, uh, was their goal, zero harm. That's the reason they had those processes in place. You need to adjust it. And then you need to make sure that you've got adequate training in place. Make sure your induction training and your refresher training covers those areas. Right, so this is where it comes down to sort of reinforcing the point. It's not just saying, well, we had a, we had a training program, it took three days or two weeks, whatever it was. Uh, that in itself isn't satisfactory, you say? Well, the, the training program's in, important, but uh, in a court of law, the, uh, the magistrate's going to ask you to prove that those people attended the training program um, and that they achieved the competencies that were required. And the magistrate's also going to put a, a fair test in there that will say, well, if you trained this person 10 years ago, is it reasonable that they would still have the knowledge and experience 10 years later, particularly if it was an element that they didn't deal with very often? Some examples could be like armed hold-up. It could be a bomb threat, for example. Um, it could be in related to bullying or harassment. There's a whole heap of areas there. So some of the ways that you can do that and build that into your system, obviously, is have good record keeping. Um, I always recommend to my clients that they have an agenda item on any meeting that they have uh, built around workplace health and safety. So that's evidence that they can show in a court of law. Um, Sign-off checklists are great for any type of training, but particularly induction training. And there needs to be a statement on the bottom of it saying that not only did they attend, but they understood the outcomes of the training and achieved them. 
Um, regular coaching sessions are good value, signage, um, and making sure that you communicate who is responsible to the organisation for looking after those particular areas. So nominating safety officers or whatever the position may may be is appropriate. Right. That could okay. be, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, it could be um, someone to help with bullying as well or harassment. It, it could be any particular area. And it may even be someone uh, regarding training so that if you're not sure how to do something, go and see Mary or John and they'll be able to take you through it again. So, so, so they are your local training manager or authority or point of contact, yeah, that sort or, of thing. Okay. Exactly. Or it could just be a key person, a senior uh, person in the organisation or a, um, a, a you know, team leader that has this knowledge and skills to be able to communicate that to them. So in a typical retail outlet with a, you know, some, in, a, in a franchise, it's going to be the franchisee if he's active. Um, but yeah. if, he's not, if he's not present, it would be perhaps the shift manager or whatever the position might be. Exactly, exactly. And and so I suppose some of the franchisors are thinking, well, okay, that's the franchisee's responsibility, but what do we need to do? And, uh, and of course, the big thing here is that if the franchisor can provide um, a detailed and consistent uh, training product that the franchisees and all of their businesses can use, um, then it's helping these franchisees meet their um, legal requirements um, and it's going the business will run better. Uh, ultimately, it will perform better. That means more profit on the bottom line. That means more um, royalties to the franchisor. Right. At the end of that, that's what drives the business, isn't it? So, of course. So I guess you know you've got a vast period of experience across a whole range of industries and so forth. Um, what are some of the, the bigger risks you might like to illustrate, just uh, for the help of the listeners? Well, there's, there's some that are big ticket items that we have uh, a lot of publicity about, uh, things like fire and evacuation training. As I said, over 60% of workplace injuries relate to manual handling, um, and uh, they're, they're good ones, big ones that need to be looked at. Um, but there's lots of silly little accidents that occur. I, I remember back in the late 80s, I was doing the franchisee training for Shell, and uh, on the very first training uh, course, it was actually a train-the-trainer program, we had half the uh, participants were trainers and the other half participants were um, key franchise owners um, of service stations. And uh, one of the guys was talking to us about an experience that he had with an apprentice. And uh, this young apprentice, even though he had uh, provided for the apprentice um, those really good safety shoes that look like runners, but they're safety shoes, so they're very comfortable. This young guy just constantly refused to wear his safety boots. And uh, and he was telling us that the day before, he'd had a chat with the young guy and basically given a final warning that he must wear his safety boots. So halfway through the day, this particular franchisee gets a phone call the young fellow had taken some rubbish out the back of the servo and back in those days in the 90s we didn't have the beautiful skip bins. Most of the bins out the back were the old 44-gallon uh, drums with a, cut, a top cut off them. You'll remember those, Brian. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he put some rubbish into this bin and uh, and it was a bit full, so with some cardboard sheets. So he decided to climb up on top of the 44-gallon uh, drum, jump up and down on it to push the cardboard uh, further down into the bin. Uh, what he didn't know was there was a nice sharp piece of metal uh, hiding underneath the cardboard 
went straight up through the cardboard, straight up through the sole of his non-safety shoe that he uh, thought he wouldn't wear because the boss wasn't going to be there, um, and quickly cut off three toes. So as uh, <laughs> an example that sometimes people just don't think, uh, and they do things that they think are a good idea at the time, but um, that young fellow lost three toes because of that. Mm. So, uh, so that's one area that we really do need to be aware of. Um, some of the causes of that are poor induction training, um, poor record keeping I see all the time. Uh, a lot of uh, business owners are not aware of the uh, legislation or the requirements. Um, we mentioned armed hold-up earlier um, and things like bullying and harassing. They're all things that, that we really need to consider. Right. What well, we're seeing... Sorry, carry yeah, on. Sorry. I'm just going to say, yeah. you know, looking more topical more topical issues, uh, I mean, we, we're seeing a whole different scenario around the world, and Australia is no different from the point of view of our exposure to, you know, acts of terror and, and, and so on and so forth, and hostage situations. Um, but those are things that we sort of look at from a distance. Um, but the truth is, I suppose, <laughs> we could all be involved in one quite easily. What's your, what's your comments about those? Oh, look, you're exactly right, Brian, and, and it's horrific to think about it, but the bottom line is that employers nowadays um, more and more need to look out at broader issues, and uh, the Lint situation in Sydney is just a perfect example of that. You know, a, a horrific situation with loss of life, and let's hope it doesn't happen to any of our listeners' businesses, but the bottom line is that it can. Who would have imagined a gunman in a in a shop that sells chocolate? And... Uh, the bottom line is that, that there is. So we need to make sure that we have processes and systems in place um, that our people are trained and that we also practice what to do in those sorts of situations. Um, and, and we're not isolated anymore. You know, 10, 20 years ago, you'd, you'd shake your head and say, well, that will never happen in Australia. But the bottom line is that it can, it has, and it will again. And we need to make sure that we're prepared for that. It seems a bit inevitable. So preparation is the name of the game. I suppose if I come through your points that you made, is you know, there are a number of areas where we were vulnerable, uh, any sort of business. I mean, that's the thing I think we have to be aware of, no matter what size of the business. But mitigation is not necessarily complicated. It's a matter of having processes in place. So we're talking about proper training, proper record keeping, um, and, and issue, being aware of risk issues particularly, uh, and I guess those, those simpler, silly sort of accidents are the sorts of things that can happen because I can certainly recall a number of times jumping on top of a bin to compact the cardboard so I could <laughs> my rubbish. So there we are. I think I'll, uh, I need to back off and be a little bit more careful myself. So thanks for that <laughs> alert in <laughs> So we, we look at these range of things, but you know, I, I suppose my point is, um, Sure, it's important, it's very relevant, you need to be on top of it, but don't be intimidated by it. Um, there is a lot to consider. You know, what can you, what can you recommend from the point of view of helping people make sure they address this without losing sleep? Oh, look, it's so true, Brian, and, and gee, I've done that as well, jumped on the rubbish bin, but uh, the, the, you know, we just need to be aware and, and we need to have, as you said, the good systems and processes and record keeping to back it up. Um, look, there is a lot to consider, and in some cases, you know, smaller businesses won't have the expertise in their business to be able to do that. 
but you can get lots of help. There's lots of government websites that you can log into, and they have some excellent uh, uh, resources on those. Um, the key, I believe, is to build um, all of these aspects into the system of running your business. Just like BOC did with the phone and the parking, um, it was became an integral part of their business, and, and no one thought to, uh, you know, anything of it. It just became a habit that they did. Um, the same with armed hold-up, you know, the making sure that you use good cash management techniques to reduce the amount of cash in your till, which then makes you less of a target, um, which helps to mitigate the risk of armed hold-up. So there are lots of things that you can do and you just need to integrate it systematically into the operation of the business. Um, I've just finished a, uh, an information ebook on this exact same topic and um, I'd be quite happy to provide it to uh, any of the listeners today complimentary um, and uh, I'll, I'll give you the link Brian and if you could send it out with the uh, the recording uh, perhaps uh, there's an offer for them there and and I, I know that it can be a bit uh, daunting the process so what I'd also like to do is make an offer for the first 10 listeners um, that sign up for the ebook um, that I'll also conduct a free two-hour workplace health and safety and HR desktop audit on their materials and provide a report for them so that they can identify any gaps that they may have in their systems and processes. David, that's really generous of you. I appreciate that. This has not been a long um, conversation, but it's one that's full of packed with a lot of really relevant information. And uh, So what I will be doing will be adding the link um, in the email that goes out to everyone, plus for our members who get automatic um, access to all this information amongst all of our other franchise radio shows, there'll be data about that as well and it will be better help you. And of course, if you're one of our members, then you may well be eligible to have a, a, a chat with David in any event. So um, um, from that point of view, any, any, any last points you'd like to make, David? Um, yes, Brian, there's just one quick one, and that's in regards to harassment and bullying. Um, we're seeing now more and more situations arising in the workplace, um, and of course there, there are a number of people that will harass or bully your staff. Unfortunately, sometimes they do it to each other. Um, sometimes the, there are people in leadership roles that may do it to other parts of the team. Um, but what we're seeing more and more is also harassment from customers and from suppliers, believe it or not. So it's important too for the businesses to make sure not only do they have systems and processes in place to mitigate that, but once the uh, situation has occurred, that they're also able to provide support uh, to the team. And ultimately, if they end up in a, a court situation, um, that may have a significant um, impact on the decision of the magistrate in regards to it, of how quickly you acted uh, to support those people. And, uh, and again, it's just one more thing that we need as small business owners to have an understanding and appreciation for. The, wow. the importance of risk management is significant, sorry, tongue-tied, but um, the best way to do it is to document it. And I know everyone's just rolled their eyes and thought, oh, God, not another thing I've got to write down. Um, but the bottom line, it does provide evidence in a legal situation that may be the difference between you having significant fines 
um, and uh, or not. Maybe saving that two hundred and fourteen thousand two hundred dollars that we talked about earlier today. Mm, excellent. Look, David, thank you. you you've gone through some uh, really valuable information there. I'd just like to mention, if anyone's got any further questions for David, um, by all means contact me and I'll, I'll give you an introduction. Um, and uh, just like to say, David, to you, thanks very much for your time. I've really appreciated it. I hope everyone listening has, um, has found, it, found it helpful. And I'm sure you'll write this back and listen to it again. There's a lot of content. So until we have our next Franchise Radio show, David um, McLean from Mentor for Hire, thank you very much indeed. Appreciate your time, David. Thanks, Brian. My pleasure. And we'll sign off from there. Thank you. Bye.